Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 5 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we highlight mythical heroes firing missiles and adventure to the top. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. We had uh, some some nice games this week, and uh, I just bought my tickets for LEGO Batman for this weekend, so I am I am all set. I'm ready to talk about fun stuff. Yeah. This isn't the busiest week we've ever had, but that doesn't mean there's not some fun stuff to talk about. And the first app, it's probably not the most enjoyable app in the App Store, but it's actually pretty interesting. It's called Liner, and it lets you highlight anything on the web. So if you've ever been reading an article or you have any kind of anything uploaded to the web that you're going to read back, whether it's work documents, PDFs that you download or anything, you can highlight it right with the app. Essentially... You use the share extension as an ability to kind of download the copy of it to the app, or you can just use it straight in Safari. You go to the page, you click on the Liner application in the share uh, pull-up option, and then the when you tap and hold, the little menu to copy and paste now has a new little yellow circle. You click on that, and now you can then highlight the text, and then you can share your highlighted text to anyone as well to save it for later. And it's just a really kind of efficient way to take notes rather than downloading copies from Dropbox and, you know, going to some PDF annotation app or whatever the case may be. Right, especially in this day and age where a lot of people tend to do a lot of the research just on the web. This is a nice quick way. You're you're just browsing through articles or whatever the topic you're having to research is, and you can just quickly highlight the content, and it gives you a way to access the original page again so that you can, uh, if you want to go back and see your source again, or you can just quickly look at all of those various little highlighted passages you might have just selected while you're going through all these various sources. And so it's a neat way to just collect all the information and go back and and just highly grab those those key things you were interested in, but then still have that source material should you need it later. And and like you said, it's all collected right in there and you have the option of just viewing it right within the app as well. And then if say it's in a work or even a friend, you find something, you can highlight it share it to them and then they can see like oh look at this funny thing or whatever you can highlight the specific section and that way they can read it and know exactly what you're talking about right yeah and i think the way because they've implemented it into that selecting of the text it feels natural because how you would normally select text and anything you're viewing on like an iphone or ipad and i think it allows you to use it in pretty much any app where you're able to select text like you would on the native native the native iOS. So uh, it's a really universal tool that you can pull information from pretty much any source you have accessible via your iPhone or iPad. Yeah. I mean, since you're using that share sheet function, you can just use it in other apps. The one thing for those other apps, I think you have to upgrade to Pro. Oh, you I'm do? Okay. Sure. And so that, it's going to be free to yeah. use it in Safari. But like if you opened your RSS reader or something like that, you would need to upgrade to Pro. I can try it right here. So when you do it and you press highlight, it says, please upgrade to Pro. Okay. 
Do you remember so, how much that was for Pro? I don't remember how much it was. I think it's a dollar ninety nine. Oh, okay, that's not bad. But my app store isn't loading, so <laughs> <laughs> that's what I guess it's going to go with. Okay, but yeah, even for free, just to highlight stuff in Safari, because there's so many possible things you could want to highlight on the web, and you're just using it from. So once you activate it in that share sheet, you know, functionality, you don't have to, you know, worry about activating it ever again. It's just there as an option. Right. And they even give you like, if you don't even know how to do this, you've never done it before. They show you in pictures, they tell you exactly how to do it. So don't worry about figuring it out. It's super easy. Yep. And so that's liner. It's free. It's universal. And again, there's that upgrade option. If you do need to do some more highlighting <laughs> and then that means it's time for new games. There's not the most Apple news in January after we did the quarterly earnings last week. And so for the games, there's actually a pretty noteworthy release. So Super Mario Run came out in December. It was Nintendo's first really big release on iOS. And so now they're following it up with Fire Emblem Heroes. And with Super Mario Run, they did the free-to-play structure where it's free to download and then there's a single in-app purchase to unlock the full game. That was $9.99. Fire Emblem Heroes goes the more traditional free-to-play route where there's a stamina bar and various in-game currencies that you can purchase through microtransactions. So Nintendo is definitely experimenting on what they could possibly do on iOS. But regardless of that, Fire Emblem Heroes takes that traditional Fire Emblem turn-based strategy game and implements it very well for iOS. Again, this is Nintendo thinking that you should play iOS games, especially iPhone, portrait mode with you know that one-hand capability and so they've made the turn-based actions set up for that. So you have your band of heroes, and you simply drag with one finger on one of your characters, and you get to see where they can potentially move in a live grid, and then blue squares are going to be where they move to, red squares are going to be attacking enemies, and that's all you really do. You simply drag your character to where you want them to move or attack, and the full game builds upon that main structure as you upgrade your characters, add new heroes to your band, and progress through the story mode. But it's made as really the, as effortlessly as they possibly could a turn-based uh, action RPG game. Yeah, I wasn't at all familiar. I've heard the name Fire Emblem before, but I was not familiar at all with the franchise. This is not something I've ever played on any of... I think it was out on the Game Boy. It was on uh, the NES and other Nintendo platforms as well. But uh, this was a new title to me. And I, I thought the, the gameplay is interesting because what you can do is, beyond just moving your characters around and upgrading them, there's also ways that you can use other members of your team to buff maybe the the guy who's going to attack or you give him some extra some extra shield ability by buffing him with one of your other characters so now that character can't attack but now you've now made the one who is going to attack stronger or you've set him up so that when the enemy counterattacks, when you attack them now they're they're a little bit stronger maybe they're not going to get hurt or hurt less because now you have that extra buff on them so there's a little more strategy there than maybe your your typical just drag the characters around and attack and take turns and round robin through your characters uh because there is that little element of 
do I use this guy to attack or do I use him to help out another guy who now can do a stronger attack? So I, I kind of like that aspect of the game. And again, like I wasn't familiar with it, so I don't know the random set of people that I got on my team to start with. I don't know if they're good characters, bad characters. I mean, they do give you kind of like a star rating to tell you if they're rare or not. So you can kind of go on that, but Beyond that, I really don't know the characters, so I kind of just went with what I got. I, I did hear that people were uninstalling the app and reinstalling the app to try to get better characters right off the bat. Uh, but again, like I didn't really care. I just went for it with whoever I got. Yeah, the most I'm familiar with Fire Emblem is that Marth and a couple others are included in Super Smash Brothers. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's about it for me, too. Yeah, yeah and so... That kind of allows you to have a fresh perspective of just like embracing the game in its iOS form. And there's a deluxe storyline involved. Every single character has quite a few lines that progress the entire world of Fire Emblem and this iteration of how it relates to other versions. And this is a continuation of that same storyline. I didn't find it the most intriguing. It seemed like I was just like, I didn't really care going through the text (laughs) but it is there yeah (laughs) yeah i I mean one other aspect of of the fighting too is they have like almost like a rock paper scissors kind of setup where green and but it's green red and blue and each one is more powerful on the other so you also kind of want to plan your team and your attacks based on that because you'll see going into the level it tells you what you're going to be fighting you're going to be fighting two reds and a green or so you can kind of plan ahead of how you want to formulate your team and right now i still have my original stock team i haven't really i just let them get upgraded and stuff overall i i thought it was an enjoyable game i don't know that i would pick this necessarily over the plethora of other uh tactical rpg strategy games that there are already out on ios just because i'm not vested in this franchise i don't i see a lot of people tweeting and saying how much they're so happy to see this come to ios and they're so addicted to this game because they they love fire emblem but to me i there's a lot of other titles i would go to before this one but for a free game i definitely didn't notice any real pull to get me to pay money and i played for quite a bit and I still have plenty of stamina sitting around that I haven't gone through. Every time you battle and win, you gain your stamina back. So I haven't hit a point where I feel like I have to spend money to continue to play. I didn't feel a point where I felt like I was stopped from playing because I didn't pay money. So to me, that's a sign of a of a good free-to-play game, especially because I don't pay for free-to-play games. So I... In that aspect, I, I think it's enjoyable, but again, it wouldn't be my first pick in this genre of games. It scratches that itch of the turn-based RPG, especially made for iOS. It really, like, there's a lot of other ones that might be more deluxe in terms of the capabilities that you can pull off, but then that comes with all these different menus. You can do quite a bit with their system in terms of the buffs that you mentioned as well as the you know power triangle of the green red and blue that you can do quite a bit through that one touch system and it's just easy because the levels are made in bite-sized portions where you get to see okay i'm attacking four enemies and then that's the whole level so you can play for a little bit and move out so nintendo really thought about making a game to play on the go 
in the touch base form factor and they really executed it well so this isn't my like genre that i go to but in terms of what they've done with fire emblem heroes this is kind of one i would go to just because it's made so accessibly it's made for ios and yet there's a lot of subtle depth and detail to get through and it's a really long campaign to play through and then like you said the free to play mechanics the only time i noticed it is i close the app you know and i go do something else then i'll get a notification your stamina is replenished and i was like okay i didn't even know it was depleted or whatever <laughs> and then i go back in the game you know and it shows 50 it seems like every yeah, level yeah. i play it takes down two and so you know when you go down to 40 you've played five levels and then you go do something else. It's going to be replenished after just a few minutes. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I saw the exact same thing. I, I was – it seemed like it was barely taking a hit, and I was playing a, a lot. And then exactly. I left, came back, and it said, it's been replenished. And I'm like, oh, okay. Let's go for yeah. some more then. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a nice system. I, I don't know if once you get further down, if it's more stamina for each battle going forward, like they start to increase that. But Nintendo seems to be the pretty nice when it comes to, to free to play. Well, their last effort was that pay once and you never have to pay again. So I think they're just kind of like experimenting with things and they're going to error on the side of being nice to the player, at least at first. And then we'll see if maybe down the road, they really start to say, well, let's put the pressure on and, and force them to pay. But right now it's, it seems like it's pretty, pretty nice to, to the consumer. Yeah. Because they did talk that Animal Crossing might be delayed, which is one I would love to see on iOS. But that's probably the best way you could implement free-to-play in the ways that we know it. Yep. But this is Fire Emblem Heroes. It's free. It's universal. And that means it's time for the Frost Rune, which I get to actually see at last GDC, which was last March. And we're almost coming up on GDC 2017. So that was 2016. And it's a point-and-click adventure that tackles Viking mythology. It essentially lets you loose in, you know, an area of Norway, I think. And uh, I think you, it's it's very cryptic yeah. where you are, and it's dark. And so your your ship is crashed, you know, and you stumble onto the shore, and you're going to go through these various shacks. A lot of them, and then there's runes and various things. A lot of them are covered in this magical ice that you can't break through. You know, you're going to get the pickaxe, and you get you're going to pick all these items up. It's like, nah, the ice doesn't care. It's magical, and so you have to keep <laughs> kind of working your way in that traditional point and click fashion, where you go from scene to scene, try to find everything within a scene. And then you'll find something that then backtracks you to a different scene to then use it. You know, you collect the keys and you'll keep going more and more and finding kind of these Viking gods and legends about, you know, it's not Norse. I want to say that, but it's not Norse. It's just, I don't even know yeah, what the... No, you're, it is. You're off the coast of Norway. You start off the coast of Norway. I just looked it up. Yeah, but it's not Norse gods. <laughs> Are they? I thought they were. No. I thought they. Well, I guess it. I, so it does talk about Odin and Thor. So it's partially Norse gods. Well, not, they're not the ones that the big names that you, you know about that everyone yeah. knows. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's kind of it's a really dark tale, and you end up talking to like this spirit who kind of sends you on this quest to basically find these runes 
to help them. Uh, you're trapped there and you can't leave because of some evil spirit has now encased all of this stuff in this magical ice. And now you have to help find these runes to free yourself and basically put an end to this evil spirit. And so you start off and you're just kind of exploring and going through these different, like different shacks and different things and your typical stuff. And then all of a sudden you'll come to a point where there's, you happen to unlock the spirit vision. So now this is where I thought the game really got neat because you have two ways of looking at every location that you go to. You can either use your normal vision and walk around everything's sort of colorful and then or you can turn on the spirit vision which then everything kind of gets in this gray kind of dreary look but then you'll see all these spirits sometimes you'll see these musical spirits kind of jamming out and singing and other times you'll you'll see certain clues you would only see if you're in the spirit vision but you can't interact with your uh, any objects that you picked up while you're in the spirit vision. So you're constantly having to kind of flip in and out of the, the vision and not. And I thought that was a, a neat way of like using locations multiple times because now you have these two ways to view things. And to me, that that's where I thought this really excelled. As far as like the challenge of the game went, I thought it was more, I didn't think it was, challenging because it was challenging i thought it was challenging because it was confusing at a at a good deal of points i found myself a little frustrated just because i was confused as to exactly what i need to do next it wasn't always clear i think they kind of made assumptions that you were on the same wavelength as them and i wasn't always there uh i don't know about you did you ever get kind of confused as you were going through the game i had to jump to the hints a couple times but it's still followed logically of oh i was like okay like you know once you get that staff to change the perspective it increases the complexity of the puzzles the problem i had wasn't more confusing it just seemed a little bit tedious because you keep backtracking and you're just going through you know various scenes it's like okay i have to go there's like five forks and you have to remember left right left forward (laughs) it's like oh now i need to go back just a couple ones so it was more kind of tedious than super confusing but again i accessed the hints a couple times so maybe that you know alleviated that problem yeah i did i would normally in these type of games i like to completely avoid the hints and i I am having to resign myself to using the hint system which i thought the way it was laid out was really nice so the way they had it set up is they kind of have these sections for the various areas of the puzzles you're going to be doing and they only allow you to access the ones that you've gotten to the point where it could help you you're not going to accidentally see something that's way far ahead. They're all kind of grayed out until you reach the point of this clue could actually help you. And uh, as far as the clues themselves went, I thought they were a little, they gave a little too much. They kind of told you exactly what you need to do rather than kind of more giving you a gentle nudge in the right direction. Uh, but it was nice to have it right in there and not having to go like search up a walkthrough or something if you really got stuck, especially where the game just came out. There may not be walkthroughs out yet. So you kind of have to kind of stumble your way through a few of the puzzles. I just kind of muddled my way through and somehow I got it correct. And I'm not even sure how I did it, but uh, they worked. Uh, but overall, like I thought the story itself was really interesting 
And I thought the production values were really high. I mean, they, before I said there was guys singing. I mean, the quality of the music was was excellent, and just the 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 graphics were really well done. Yeah, it's great, uh, like hand drawn artwork that fits the entire theme that's going on. And I mean, it's that classic point and click adventure style that they use the kind of perspective shift with that staff to add to the puzzles the only problem like i said was just it starts to get a little monotonous and tedious when you're doing a lot of stuff that's not progressing the story you're just kind of walking around to find points that could possibly be interacted with and i guess there are a few leaps and assumptions from the developers of what you can figure out of what logically okay, I found something in the Sears place and then I have to go back to the Rune place and then it tracks me all the way back to the very first place that I got to and that's where the singing gods are. And so, you know, it didn't always kind of like make sense that I'd have to backtrack so far. Right, yeah. You almost, what you end up doing was kind of just wandering around till you saw something like, oh, that must have been what I had to find. Yeah. And so, it, I mean, it wasn't always logical. Like, you knew, sometimes you knew. Like, sometimes you knew exactly where you had to then get to. It was just a matter of remembering which paths to take to get there. But other times, it was, it wasn't that logical of, this is exactly where I need to go next. You kind of just wander around, turning on and off the, the spirit vision until you end up in the location you need to be and like, oh, that's where it's got to be. But I, like the one thing I, I found that I really missed was Glitch Games has that great in-game camera. Obviously, it wouldn't really fit with this storyline, but I was snapping screenshots all over the place so I wouldn't have to backtrack as much during the game. So fortunately, if you exit and go to your photos, you can look at the photos and the game doesn't reset, doesn't kick you out or anything, which was great because then I could just keep going back when I knew there was something I need to look at in order to solve a puzzle. Yep. And so that's the Frost Rune. It's $4.99 and it's universal. Point and click adventure fans, I think, will like it, but there's better options on the App Store. Yep, I totally agree. That's that's a perfect uh, summary. And so up next is Missile Man. It was tough to... So always every week there's a bunch of games we're not going to talk about because a ton are released. And then there's even a few that are always kind of vying for those certain slots that we are going to talk about in the podcast. So we'll play a bunch of games that we don't talk about. And it's likely that they're not worth talking about. So luckily Missile Man was worth talking about. And at first glance, it looks like that quick action kind of arcade style that's pretty popular on iOS. But when you actually play it, it turns out the developers turned it into more action adventure just because you have a progression of clearing zones. And so the full game plays, it emphasizes using two hands. You leave your left thumb on the screen to move Missile Man. So there's a little space guy and he's riding on top of a missile. And then there's all kinds of enemies up above. So you're launching forward or upwards. And then with your right finger, that's going to, you tap to launch the missile. So you want to line up where your guy is so that way he fires the missile to an enemy up above. And then they kind of build upon the complexity because the background isn't just paint and art and stuff. There's actual like walls that jettison outwards. So you have to be cognizant to dodge the way the level shifts as you're scrolling upwards, as well as fire upon the enemy. So you have those two things to focus on. And then, like I said, you actually get to a point where 
you cleared all the enemies, you cleared 1.1, and now you get a little break, and then 1.2 is going to start. And so you have, you know, that feeling of progression as you're going upwards and forwards. Because then if you die, you start way back at the beginning, but you now have the idea of what you need to do to progress further. Right, yeah. And actually, with the controls, if you're a lefty, you can move with the right hand and tap with the left. It's just whichever hand you put down first is going to be your movement hand, and you leave that finger on the screen the whole time. And then with your other hand, you just tap to fire those missiles. But firing the missiles, you only have a limited number of those missiles you can fire off at any given time. So you don't want to just kind of just spray out your your missiles over and over again. And actually, the, the whole premise of the game is your little dude is actually riding on the tip of this missile and he jumps off the tip and then it flies forward to try to take out the things that they're in front of you. So uh, it's kind of a weird concept, but I guess that's why he's Missile Man because he's riding on the missile. But uh, those jettison side walls that come out, that's all procedurally generated. So it's not like you can learn these these zones and then just nail them every time. It's not a, a memory game. This is like randomly generated. You're going to have to de- challenge yourself every single time. But like you just said, as you play this over and over again, you die and you lose and you come back. You're going to start to learn at least like reflexive moves that you can get further progress further and then as you make it through each one of these zones you have the option of upgrading certain components so you can upgrade either like the speed at which you you fire the missiles or you have these backup missiles which you collect as they fall back down and then you get additional missiles or sometimes you can use those as like the debris as additional stuff that can try to take out enemies or you have a shield which will protect you from either hitting the walls or when an enemy hits you and there's a whole progression of being able to upgrade those and you use these experience points that you collect each time you kill an enemy this little green gear kind of pops up on the screen and and what's really neat about those is they kind of float around. So you don't lose them if you don't collect them. You kind of just have to get close to them. But even if they go off screen, they'll come back. So you have a chance to still kind of collect them before you hit the end of the zone. And if you build up enough of those, you'll get one upgrade point. And for each one of these full gears, you fill out. And so then you kind of go through this little shopping catalog of which components do I want to upgrade, which will help me get further. And so even those are randomized what you get a choice of each game. So you, it's all these randomizations that really kind of give it like huge replay value because you never know how the levels are going to look or exactly what you, what things are going to have available to you to try to make it further and further in, in each zone that you have to go through. Yeah, I remember the first time I played, I was focusing on taking out the enemies up above. And then I lost a heart, and I'm like, what just happened? And I realized I smashed into the wall that just you know, burst <laughs> out from the side of the screen. I'm like, oh, there's a whole other component to this game. <laughs> and then there's the right, whole and, combo and, system as well. You know, you can yeah, amp up ahead. your score and replay for that. Right, and, and so what you'll do is at the end of four zones, you have to face off against, like, a big uh, boss guy and so even like that first boss battle is kind of tough and if you make it past that then you it, the scenery changes and now you're on to like a new uh area 
but then there's even new enemy types that come. So now there's like uh, these jets that will come flying towards you. So you might think you have a time to take them out, but all of a sudden now this set, no, they won't wait around for you to shoot them. This is going to come and try to attack you. So now you got to dodge stuff, but you can't dodge too wide or you may hit the wall. So it just keeps on building complexity. It is a tough game to make progress in, but because of all those various power-ups you can get uh, or ability tree that you can upgrade as well as just kind of you know you can do better the next time. It really drives you to want to play it over and over and over again. Yeah, that ability tree really does want to give you that incentive above all else because that way you feel like you're getting better. I mean, it would be great once you beat that boss, you then have a checkpoint. You have the option, I can just start, you know, section two rather than starting back from wave one. I always ask that for any of these kind of games. But yeah. <laughs> with the upgrade tree, you understand what their idea is because you could always sacrifice, okay, I don't care about the high score. If I want to start at level one and go for the high score, I can have that choice. But if I want to just get through everything that's included in the 16 levels, they should offer that choice. Well, I think the problem is because it gets more difficult in those next set of levels, that if you don't have the abilities, it's going to be even that much more difficult. They would almost have to give you some ability points to to apply if you were going to start at the second level to at least get your your ship leveled up a little bit. Yeah. Or, I mean, or they the could person, always offer perm, perma upgrades too. Yes. Yeah, they could do that too. But I mean, but even as it is, it is a fun, hard, challenging game. And it's one of those that I hadn't even heard much about it. And then all of a sudden I saw it pop up on the top, on the app store. And I'm like, I got to try this out. This looks good. I mean, the graphics look great. I had to try it. And it was one of those nice surprises that you, you didn't hear anything about this game, or at least I didn't, prior to its release. And then all of a sudden it's this fun thing that just shows up on the app store one day. Yeah, if you like any kind of arcade challenge, you're going to be right at home with Missile Man. And then just to note, Felis is garbage, in case you saw it on the App Store. <laughs> I had to mention that. <laughs> and is there anything else for you, Brett? Uh, no, I think that's it. I mean, it's always tough to limit ourselves because there's just so much stuff. But uh, again, like we just can't talk about everything every week. So it's. But I think we picked some good ones this week. Yep. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed episode five of the App Advice Weekly Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.